Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Julia Kirst, my guest today, has a novel approach to preparing for a job search that is informative and adaptable for other than the audience audiences she targets. Welcome, Julia, and thank you for sharing your perspective today. Now, I'm a little confused and I'm reasonably sure, if not absolutely sure, that you can shed light and you can educate me. Your LinkedIn profile describes you as, quote, a cross-cultural writer, trainer, and strategist for international professionals presenting their credentials to American gatekeepers with a large number of success stories and testimonials to share, close quote. Now, I need you to tell me and anyone listening exactly what does that mean? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Beverly. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to meet with you and (laughs) to talk about this book. And you're right, this is a mouthful. So let's break it down a little bit. When I say cross-cultural, let's start there. It is because I was actually born in one country, spent my childhood in another, and my adult years and raised a family in the U.S. So I've been in different places. And that has created in me, I think, a a sensibility to cross-cultural issues. There are things that you do in one place and they are seen as good and you do them in another country and in that other country, they're seen as bad. So when you circulate between different countries, you have to really be aware of these differences. So you're not constantly missing, doing faux pas. So it's not surprising then that I became a cultural anthropologist. And what we do in anthropology is we look at why people behave certain ways or think certain ways based on their background, on the place they come from. The background uh, can, you know, it's your family, but it's also what your uh, country believes, what your region believes. So in my work, I help people from other countries understand what Americans want to see and then respond to that. How do you do that though? Because all Americans don't want to see the same thing. 
Absolutely. That's wonderful. And I actually mentioned that in right in, in the introduction of the book. The United States is a large country. There are many subcultures. However, I think it's fair to say that in the workplace, there are certain things that are uniform. So, for example, being on time, you know, somebody who arrives late will be understood as a poor candidate, somebody who arrives on time. So there are both in the academic world, because I work with many people who are applying to universities, professionals from other countries, but also job situations. You can say that there is a core set of expectations that are shared nationwide. So one example that I, I like to use is the example of the resume, the American resume. I literally, when I work with clients, I literally call them an American resume not just any resume or a CV, it's an American resume. And in some countries, people think that the longer your resume, the more experience wow. you have. So they'll literally show up with 16 pages. They will include awards that they received in high school. <laughs> and so my role is to explain, not just that it should be a page or two at most, but to explain why and to say that in the American culture, time is understood as a valuable resource that is limited and that has to be used carefully. And therefore, your resume has to go straight to the point, be short, because nobody is going to give you a whole lot of time. And that applies to presentations or answering questions Absolutely. in Absolutely. interviews when you're talking to your boss or you're giving a presentation being verbose is not a plus Absolutely no you no time to use big words <laughs> you know exactly. or a lot of words period yeah and see if you're not aware of that and you act in this other way. I, I always say having this information is not just nice to have, but it can make a difference between you being successful or not. And that's why it's essential to have it. It's exactly. essential for you, for a person to be viewed as someone who should be successful, who should be exactly. promoted, who should be given a project yes. so that they can demonstrate how well they can perform against the deadline on a team in a group, you know, all of those things. Yeah. That's important. And so what, what I tell people is that I can't give them the job, but I can give them the tools to understand what is expected of them and to present their skills and their credentials in a way that is respected by the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper, right? The, the people who have power over letting you in or not. So having this information really, oftentimes people say, well, I have the degree, I know the language, what should I be worried about? Without understanding the culture expectations, doesn't matter how qualified you are. Do companies that do business globally, don't they have an indoctrination or orientation, a cultural tutorial, so that they don't, you know, yeah. employees yeah. that are going to be working in other countries don't mm -hmm. commit faux pas. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. because it could be detrimental to the business. Right. I think we're just beginning to understand how important that is. Are you kidding? Right? The cultural understanding, the cultural expectation. We, we talk about the culture of a company, but to actually think about the culture in which the company is embedded. So let me give you another example. In some cultures, including the one I grew up in, interrupting somebody is not seen as rude. It's a sign of engagement. The person talks, you talk back, and so you go. And it's a rapid fire. At the end, we may not know exactly what each person said, but we had this engagement, right? When I moved to the U.S., I had to learn to tone it down, to stop, to listen, wait, and then respond. If I didn't have that... You're right. I Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll, if I didn't I'll have that, I just time. interrupted you for an no, example. No. <laughs> Fine. My college friends and I, we do that all the time. My mm-hmm. childhood friends, they can't stand it. But, you know, right. it's, it's a different... It offends them. But you jump in. You get in when you can. My college right. friends, we're always stepping over each other's words. Right. That's right. the way we do. And if this is how you grew up, what you think is normal, then when people don't do that, (laughs) you may feel that they're not engaged, that they don't care, right? So this is why having an awareness of what's normal for the other person is so important. We can only respond properly if if we understand how that person is reading us. And because in the job search, impressions are so important, yes. we really need to have that knowledge. Yes, absolutely. And do you find that it's different with men and women because of the cultural differences, like from country to country? Or women, do you find that women are, I don't want to use the word marginalized, but... Yeah, I definitely have a good, I have good examples of that. I work with a lot of women from Latin America. And in these countries in Latin America, it is common for us to defer to men or to be expected to defer to men, right? So when I'm preparing people for interviews, which is one of my favorite things to do is coaching them for interviews, Mm -hmm. it's just phenomenal that it happens over and over again that the women are overprepared but are very afraid. I literally had somebody ask me the other day, do you think the color of my hair is okay? Should I darken it so I look more professional? So the doubts at every level. What color was her hair? (laughs) It was just a light brown and she was wondering if she needed to darken. But just to explain, you know, these little things, I said, don't waste your energy thinking about that. But since you asked about gender, I then see the opposite. I see many men who are underprepared, but don't realize that until we sit down and start asking questions and give them feedback. People, I find, once they, especially if they've graduated from college, they think they're ready. And they don't think that preparation is necessary. Notwithstanding that I have no doubt that career counselors on campus Mm -hmm. are telling them that they need to prepare, 
They need to research the company. They need to practice what they're going to say because they think that because they've graduated from college, that mm-hmm. they're all that in a bag of chips. Now, when you consider how many other people there are graduating from college at the same time, and those who have been, have graduated in the past and are out there, it's an accomplishment, but is it all that? <laughs> you know? Without humility, that's just a terrible start. <laughs> but it's not, it's not just humility. It's awareness. You need yes. to be self-aware of where you fall in the greater scheme of things. In the food chain. Let's be direct here in the food chain, right? Exactly. Yeah. One of my young friends was on vacation with her family and she got a call from her company and they wanted her to apply for this higher job, this promotional opportunity while she was on vacation. Mm-hmm. And to her credit, she said, Sure, I can do that. She pulled herself together, got a PowerPoint presentation prepared, sent it to them, you know, was ready, you know, to give her presentation. They offered her a job the following day. And I knew about it because her grandmother had had called and told me about it. Mm -hmm. And when she called me to tell me about it, I said, you do know that you distinguished yourself, don't you? I said, I know that there are people, not only your age, but any age, experienced individuals. If someone had called them and said, while they were on vacation, they might have said, well, I'm on vacation. I can't Mm -hmm. do that. I'm going here on there. I'm, I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing that. People need to recognize opportunities and take advantage of them if they want to move up, because mm-hmm. that opportunity may not come back and you mm-hmm. may not get another one from that person or that place. And you may even uh, develop a reputation as somebody who does not take things seriously, who would rather be on vacation. I mean, yes. it, it can come with all kinds they of consequences. Any way right? they want, because you've given, them, you've given them license to do so. Yeah, but through your own lack of awareness. Exactly. And that's yeah. what it is. It's, it's like sometimes it comes across as entitlement. But once you get rejected and if you're rejected again, it starts people to thinking, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they don't rush to judgment. Oh, it's me. It's something yeah. that I didn't do. But if it happens more than once or twice, a bell should go off if it doesn't. Yeah. And this may be a perfect place to talk about the issue of audience, of understanding who the people are that you were trying to impress, right? One of the issues I see often is that people are very interested in just talking about themselves and what I did and what I know and where I went to school without any understanding of the fact that you're you're only being interviewed because there is a need on the other side. Exactly. Not because you're wonderful, right? So, so I, if, you can, if you can marry them. Exactly. So this is what yeah. I call, you know, moving from the me, 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 me approach to the we are a match approach. That's right. Right? That's and perfect. so how my, my clients is, okay, I get the idea, but how do you do that? Then comes the legwork, right? Exactly. Really understanding there are the 
official ways to find out? I say Google and look up. I mean, there may be a scandal going on in that company. There may have been a solution try, something tried to resolve that problem, but it wasn't resolved. And now they're looking for people. The moment you demonstrate that you did your research, you're already ahead of the pack. Exactly. Not only did you do the research, you thought about it and how you could make a contribution in furtherance of benefiting the company. Yeah, yeah. I always say to to my class, the person interview you is a human being like any other. And human beings like to be seen and understood. If you can show them that you are there. I I also talk to my clients about a date. You know, if you go on a date with a person who only speaks about themselves, goodbye. You don't want that. But if that person can show that we see you, I understand you. You got something here and I can be part of that. That's right. We're simpatico. (laughs) You know, this is a win-win. A win for me, a win for you. It's important. My master's is in psychology and human development. And so my PhD is in anthropology, but I find that I'm often going back to psychology because we're a combination of those two things, right? Yes. Our surroundings and our inner world and our inner understanding. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And why don't you tell me about your book? Well, so this book, it's not like I decided one day, you know, I need to write a book, just, you know, plant a tree, have a child and none of that. But I started noticing that my clients often had the same questions again and again. One of them, for example, what do I say when they ask me, tell me a little bit about yourself? And I've been doing one-on-one work for several years, for three years. And I wanted to be able to reach more people. And so the book is partly the result of that understanding that there are many more people who need this information, but won't necessarily reach out and have me do the work for them. So I created a very practical manual, okay? It's only 150 pages long, which makes it easy to just, I have clients that tell me, I just carry this on my bag. You know, if I'm going for an interview, it's just a quick look through. So it's really a sort of a reference manual. And I divided it in two parts. The first one is about big ideas, I call them, concepts, like time, like progress, success. I have a whole chapter called Evidence. It's things that Americans value in the workplace. Back to, you know, it doesn't mean that every American valued, but in the workplace, in these cultures of hiring, and we need to be aware of these comps. One of the chapters is personal branding. A lot of people have never considered that. They know branding for a product, but not the fact that you have to really be proactive about showing what you can do. This is very hard for the same Latin American women that I was telling you about. You know, it's not part of my original culture, which is Brazil, you don't promote yourself. You're seen as a bad person if you do, because you're trying to stand out. Right. And I tell them, if you want to succeed in this country, 
in this environment, you need to be comfortable speaking about your qualities yes. without fear. And so I helped them uh, with an elevator pitch. And you get them to practice. Well, that's, yeah, but you know, a woman, when I wrote my first book, I joined a, not a book club, a workshop mm-hmm. so I could get feedback from other authors. And this young woman was in the class. And after the class, she came up to me. She says, I need, will you help me? I need your help. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And then I thought, stop. This is why you're doing this. So you can help people like her. And mm-hmm. she, to cut to the chase, she immersed herself mm-hmm. in, you know, the, the suggestions I gave her. She went online and looked at interview questions. And believe me, interview questions that you'll be asked are online. Oh, absolutely. They're not reinventing the wheel. She got offered. Oh, the other thing she did, she sat in front of the mirror, as I I suggested, and she saw how she looked and Mm -hmm. what she wanted to do to change what she was seeing. And she practiced and practiced. She got offered not the job she applied for because she was talented. She had credentials. She was a licensed CPA in another state, hmm. was not licensed in New Jersey and New York. They offered her a job at several uh, higher levels than, than she applied for. Wonderful. And she thought it was me. I said, no. I just gave you, you know, direction where you should go. It's so rewarding, right? I mean, she was, she and her husband took me out to dinner. It was lunch. (laughs) But I mean, seriously, she said no one would help her. She had no one to go to. Her friends, you know, they didn't know how to help her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it it was really rewarding. Yeah, This is why sometimes just knowing a little bit can make the difference between you getting to your goal or not getting to it, right? And listening and, you know, just being vulnerable Yeah, because that's not easy either. You know, Mm -hmm. for some people, it's it's simply not easy. So is your book out now? It is. It's it's been out for three months and I just wanted to complete. So that first section is about these big ideas. The second part is about the documents themselves, is about resume, cover letters, uh, statements of purpose. But what is different in this book, I think, uh, when compared to other books that give a professional advice, is that because of my cultural background, because of my anthropology background, I try to explain why things are the way they are. So people will not. So again, back to the example of the number of pages, you know, you could just give the recipe and say, you know, one to two pages, period. Okay. But I go in and I explain that this is related to the concept of time. I go in and explain that you need an elevator pitch and how you present yourself there is related to how the United States sees success. No. Success is for people who have goals and you got to demonstrate your goals. You know, everything that is recommended is explained from a cultural perspective. I don't understand why we don't have more anthropologists 
in this area. Okay, we tend to, anthropologists tend to be in academic circles and very closed up. I always felt that this this way of looking, of, of being, of going deep into why things are the way they are, is a skill that everybody should have because it's valuable. Everybody's not curious. Right, right. They don't want so it. this is what I'm trying to do, Everybody is take it out of the know. academic. <laughs> Everybody doesn't want to know. They don't care. They want what they want mm-hmm. the way they want it and when they want mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, why people are doing what they're doing? Yeah. No, yeah. not so much. So let me give you just an example uh, or just show you the, the first part of the book where I have the big concepts. At the end of each of the chapters, I have a section called practical applications. Mm. So it's never just up here, you know, thinking about these things, but it is. So, for example, this is in the chapter called evidence. Practical application, examine your resume to see if there are any places where you can provide evidence of your success. Metrics. Numbers are important. Exactly. Companies like to see numbers. Right. If you can create numbers, increase by 25% or, you know, and and not made up numbers. You know, I'm not, I'm not Mm -hmm. suggesting that people make up stuff, but numbers are impressive. Yes. In this, they're valued in this culture. Yes. Yeah. In others, it's more like, oh, that was great. That was not so now I, I tell them in the United States, children in kindergarten are encouraged to describe why they like this drawing more than that other one. Right. Articulating what you think, what you see, is an exercise that is not common. It's for in, in other for not common for everybody, and yet it's such an important skill. We're moving fast. We're doing a lot of different things at mm-hmm. the same time. It's not so much multitasking as just doing, you know, watching television, being on a computer. I mean, you know, I'm sitting in my office and there's a television there. I've got two computers, mm-hmm. two printers. I mean, my office is a mess because my house is a mess. I figured if everything else is a mess, I might as well, you know, organize my office so it's better. You know, we just tend to do a lot of different things almost at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I don't know why I do it. But this time I didn't have a choice. You know, you never know when contractors are going to be available. You know, they show up whenever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to follow their schedule for sure. Oh, yeah, and be grateful. Yeah. I, and I am grateful. I, I know I'm going to love my kitchen. It's just painful. It's the getting there. It's the getting there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now tell me, what's your backstory? How did you get to where you are now? You started as a psychology major and then you... So I actually, my, my bachelor's is in theater. <laughs> well, now. So actually, the work that I do now so beautifully combines theater because I help people put themselves in other people's shoes. Psychology, too. That's my master's. So I never worked as a psychologist, but you learn about this. And then I was interested in human relations, but how did did culture impact their relations? Mm -hmm. And this is when I went 
back to school to get a doctorate in cultural anthropology. And then I taught, you know, like you do and you have a PhD. I taught at universities and colleges and always felt that this is information that's valuable for everybody. It should not require a tuition, a degree. I think these, this cultural awareness and self-awareness is something that we should learn in high school, right? Because how, how do you even go get a search for a job without understanding that there is a culture in that workplace that you have to understand first before you even say hello? Well, yeah, I think you have to recognize that there is one Mm -hmm. and then find out as much as you can about it so that you can either navigate it Mm -hmm. under the radar or above the radar. Some people don't even want to be seen. If we don't know these things, we cannot. No, we can't do them. Present ourselves in a way that is heard. I would say that my work, if you go to my website, it says, I help Americans understand your value and invite you in. I guess that's a short version of that long description that you read at the beginning. That's a good summary. Give us your website so we, I understand that it's not operational yet, but it will no, be. No, no, my, my regular website is there and there's information about the book. Okay. That website is juliakirst.com. Very simple. It's just my name, Julia with an A, and then Kirst is like Kirsten, right? The name okay. Kirsten. So juliakirst.com. What I'm working on now is creating a whole additional website that's just for the book, whattheuswants.com. That's the one that will be ready in the next few days. Well, they can find you at your Julia. JuliaKears.com. Yes. yes. Uh, and I have trainings. I have uh, starting a group coaching subscription type of thing. I highly recommend the newsletter that comes out every Friday. And it's just simply, uh, it's short because I know people don't have a lot of time to read but it is about nurturing your cross-cultural intelligence. Okay, then. Well, we've run <laughs> out of time, but, you know, I'm going to, I want you to come back because I, I think that the information you have is important. And it's, I want to say it's needed, it's necessary, but I think people will understand that if and when they hear it. Mm-hmm. It'll give them yeah. something to think about. And that's always the start. Right. If, they, if you get people to start thinking, things happen. Mm-hmm. But thank you so and much. Let me also, for, I was forgetting, but the book is available on Amazon. Okay. So just. What the United States wants. Available. What the United States the- wants. Yeah. I made sure that this was, this is the title, you know, on purpose. It's. The United States has many opportunities and you want to give it what it wants. That There's no I would like here. If you show up with a four-page resume or if you show up late or if you don't know how to sell yourself, you're, you're gone. It's not right. what the United States wants. If you do all that and you don't send a thank you, you're done. Exactly. Yes. So you've got it. It has to be the whole package. Mm -hmm. But thank you so much. I appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much, Beverly. This was fun. Wonderful. This was fun. We'll do it again. Thank you. So everyone, until next time. Oh, and please consider going to Amazon and buying my book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.